You're listening to Fly By Night, a podcast by FedEx Pilots for FedEx Pilots. Brought to you by the FedEx Master Executive Council of the Airline Pilots Association. And now, here's your host, MEC Communications Chair, Captain Chris Lee. Welcome to our TA podcast series. Each podcast episode will begin with Negotiating Committee Chair, Captain Pat May's overview of the process on how the opener goals were established and how we got to where we are now. After that, each podcast will then focus on one section of the TA. Pat, talk to the pilots about this process and how we got to where we are now. Yeah, Chris, what's important for the pilots to understand as we present the information to them throughout these podcasts and other items of education is how we got here. The openers were developed by the MEC in conjunction and coordination with the negotiating committee, but we didn't pull these items out of thin air. They came and were driven by direct pilot input. So this is a pilot-driven contract from beginning to end. First and foremost of those pieces of information were the pilot surveys. We have surveyed the pilots continuously since beginning in 2019. Every six to eight months, those pilot surveys have been statistically significant, and it's informed the MEC on what the openers were and what level of focus our pilots wanted to have. Not only was it surveys, though, we also relied heavily on pilot DART reports, direct emails to contract enforcement, actual contract enforcement cases, grievances, subject matter expert input from our key committees, and finally, the MEC took all this information and we stepped through a very systematic process to highlight and identify the openers for negotiation. So this has been pilot-driven from beginning to end, and that's what informed us on the openers and also established the goals that are laid out in the opener. Thanks, Pat. In this episode of our TA podcast series, we're focusing on Section 12, Hours of Service. And joining Pat today is Negotiating Committee member Captain Rich Brown and Scheduling Committee member Captain Ted Donnett. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having us. Hi, Chris. Hey, Chris. Pat, can you talk to the pilots about your goals for Section 12 hours of service? Sure, Chris. Yeah, much like Section 4 and Section 25, this section concentrates, obviously, on hours of service. Uh, it's the name of the section, but the overall agenda here is to maintain the flexibility the pilots have in determining quality of life issues for themselves, but we also had identified issue, issues that were brought in through the PSIT as well as uh, DART reports, but you know, the big umbrella items for us, our goals were to eliminate the use of the base hotel standby periods, um, to eliminate the blended duty day room exception, and then also provide for more realistic rest opportunities in the domestic rest provisions. Those were uh, fairly problematic for us because uh, we've seen an increase in, in pairings being developed or built that actually go near the minimums, especially in light of uh, operational changes and revisions and delays that we saw um, highlighted over the, the past couple of years of our pandemic operation. And for anybody that, uh, that doesn't uh, know, that blended duty day room exception has to do with the uh, Sunrise Source that the company started uh, out of Indianapolis. Yeah, thanks, Rich. And Chris, this is one of the cases where the company also opened a section that we opened. Um, some of the items that they identified for their goals included reducing layovers in certain circumstances. Um, they also wanted to adjust base airport standbys if launched, that they would be subject to operational duty limits versus schedule. 
Um, they also wanted to increase the time away from base limit, which could have follow-on effects of uh, reducing pilots' uh, minimum days off if you work that in conjunction with another opener. And one of the other items was uh, also to eliminate all restatements of FARs. And ultimately, that was targeted towards contract rules that we have today. And they would, by eliminating those restatements, the ultimate effect there would have a negative or detrimental effect on the pilot's overall rest in some circumstances. Um, so a number of these items that the company identified we were able to not negotiate or we negotiated away from those items. Um, and in some instances, we modified some language to reach um, an agreement, which we'll get into here shortly. Going back to our openers for Section 12, one of your goals was eliminate the use of base hotel standby periods. Can you talk about that? Sure, Chris. We've addressed this uh, as well in our uh, Section uh, 25 podcast, which I encourage you to go listen to, and if, especially if you're interested in more information on the base hotel standbys. But to put it in short, uh, we were unable to eliminate the base hotel standbys, but we did come up with a solution that we think uh, mitigates the, uh, the problems with base hotel standbys to a large degree. Although we discussed a lot of this in Section 25, one of the items about base hotel standbys that is actually in Section 12 is the extension limit. Previously, there was no limit for base hotel standbys, but now the trip has to end 36 hours domestically or 84 hours internationally after the pilot's last standby period. Another one of your Section 12 opener goals was to eliminate blended duty day room exceptions. Can you talk about that? Yes, Chris. The blended duty day room exception soft parameter was pulled right about the time of our openers. That allowed the company to do the sunrise sort through currently Indianapolis and not have to use those blended duty limits. It raised some significant fatigue concerns for us, and while we did not eliminate the blended duty day room exception, we were able to address those fatigue concerns. The main way we did that was through the use of an 18-hour rest limitation after a sunrise sort. So first off, we were able to make a definition of the sunrise sort and hub turn. And after a crew hub turns through the sunrise sort, they need to have 18 hours off planned rest. That's significant because that means those pilots can no longer operate in the night or critical period after a sunrise sort. They have to have enough rest to at least get them to the day period the next day. And I'd add in there, too, unlike the uh, soft parameter that they decided to pull, that this hard parameter that's in the contract now can't be pulled by, at the company's discretion. Yes, because the company did pull a soft parameter to make the Sunrise sort work right before we entered negotiations. For those that haven't heard uh, of soft parameters or hard parameters before, they're used in the, uh, the bid pack building process by the uh, PSIT. Soft parameters are allowed to be changed or removed by the company, uh, whereas hard parameters are not. They're, uh, they're required to have agreement between Alpha and the company to change a hard parameter. So in this case, we were able to put this 18-hour uh, limitation into a hard parameter. Both soft and hard parameters can be found in, uh, in Section 25. You also had a goal, provide for a more realistic rest opportunity and domestic rest provisions. Can you talk about that? Yeah, Chris, this was an issue for us, uh, again, highlighted by pilot surveys. It's an important fatigue and quality of life issue for our pilots. We see an impact in particular over the past couple of years where pairings were impacted by delays and sort, you know, sort delays. 
uh, where already short layovers were even further reduced. Um, it also gives us another layer of protection on the scheduling side. So we've improved the minimum rest on the scheduling side as well. I'll let uh, Ted and Rich explain some more. Yeah, thanks, Pat. So uh, this this is one of those areas of the contract that it really helps to just go and read the actual language. There's several different areas where the scheduling minimums apply. Uh, there's a crew planning uh, section, a scheduled section, and then an operational section. Um, and the crew planning section is basically outside of 48 hours from the start of a trip. And then scheduled is between that 48-hour limit and the trip actually leaving or blocking out. And then the operational limit is while you're actually out on the trip during a duty period um, on your trip. So uh, what we were able to accomplish uh, in, in Section 12 was during the, the scheduled domestic rest provisions, we were able to increase the minimum from nine hours to nine and a half hours. Uh, the operational domestic rest minimum was increased from eight to nine hours. And then across all three areas, crew planning, scheduled, and operational, the minimum layover preceding a deadhead only duty period was increased from eight to eight and a half hours. Right. And then there's also the subsection of 8 and 24 type of flying. With that, before you exceed 8 and 24 hours, you have to have scheduled rest of 930. Previously, it was nine hours. But if you don't receive that nine hours and 30 minutes, we were able to increase the rescheduled rest minimum of eight hours to nine hours. Then after you exceed 8 and 24, there was a operational rest minimum of FAR limitations. After we switched off of supplemental regulations quite a few years ago, that came down to eight hours. We were able to increase that now to 11 hours, which is more realistic to our current operation. That's right, Ted. So basically across all of our scheduled uh, minimums, the minimum rest prior to an operational leg has been increased to at nine and a half hours at a minimum for eight and 24 for uh, operational and for scheduled. And it should be noted that we don't start our rest period until 30 minutes after block-in. So, Chris, just to wrap this up and put context to it, we had three specific goals in mind when we opened Section 12 hours of service that dealt with quality of life and fatigue measures. This item clearly was one that we accomplished. There's other items that we'll discuss that the company was able to achieve here, but in this instance, I think the pilots can be proud of what was negotiated here. Can you talk some about what the company was able to achieve from their openers for Section 12? Yes, Chris. The uh, company identified under Section 12 a desire with regard to specifically the exception pairings um, to reduce the layover. Currently today it's 13. They wanted to reduce the layover to 12 hours. Right, Pat. And they were not able to reduce the layover from 13 hours on the planning side, but they were able to reduce it to 11 hours operationally. Now, exception pairings may not be as well known as some of the other pairing designs that we have out there. So one of the things we did to combat this was we started with pairing tags. So any 12C2D exception pairing will have a tag on it in the VIPS bid pack, um, in VIPS and in the bid pack, to help with the understanding for the pilots and also for the crew schedulers. As a reminder, these are pairings that cannot operate in the critical and cannot be revised to operate in the critical. So once the pilot exceeds seven hours and 35 minutes, they are scheduled for 13 hours of rest. The company now will be able to operationally reduce that rest to 11 hours, but of course at no time can the pilot be revised to operate in the critical period.
Yeah, we gave some flexibility on what the SIG could approve as well here. So um, on a case-by-case basis, the SIG could approve uh, by bid pack exception pairings that they would allow to go to at least 12 hours. So in the evaluation, the, the SIG will look at the improvement or potential improvement in, with regard to the hook city and how that particular pairing can be built. And if they see it as beneficial, then they would obviously consider it and evaluate it. Yeah. And these can be a confusing issue just to, to understand when you're hearing about them. So we do have an example in our FAQs that I would encourage pilots to take a look at. Ted, can you talk about any other items that the company identified in their openers for Section 12? Yes, Chris. The company identified an issue with the base airport standbys not being subject to operational limits without VP approval. So now a pilot on base airport standby will be subject to operational limits the same as other pilots. And another area that the company identified as an issue was with the international duty-free buffer. There was a disconnect to where some trip trips that were scheduled to domestic parameters were subject to an international duty-free buffer, Mexico, Bermuda, Puerto Rico, of those nature. So now the international duty-free buffer only applies to trips that are scheduled to international parameters. Pat, another one of the company's openers for Section 12 had a goal of a science-based approach to crew complement. Can you talk about that? Sure, Chris. The company previously had the ability to add a double crew on international flights when they anticipated that such a crew might be required. Um, So we agreed to expand this ability to three and four pilot crews. Um, And we see see the value in adding the additional pilots in certain circumstances. We placed increased restrictions, however, on scheduling those extra pilots. And we limited the use of that provision. Um, So when the company does identify a trip uh, that may have extended block or duty times, you know, things such as volcanic eruptions or other adverse governmental uh, issues like we've seen that occur over Ukraine, um, so extended duty times. So for the sole purpose of safety or with approval from the SIG, the company can add those uh, crew members, three or four pilot crews. Earlier you mentioned rest and fatigue. Were there any other items that relate to fatigue in Section 12? Uh, yes, Chris. There, there was another item that came to our attention we were aware of as a result of actual DART reports and fatigue calls from our pilots. And the situation would be a pilot operating a trip where they were out of their base and had a week-long, say, hub turn. And let's give an example, a hypothetical of a pilot who's hub turning Indianapolis, ends out on a trip and calls in fatigued. And say that fatigue call puts the pilot into rest in Memphis. There's a provision that automatically returns the pilot to well, and the problem that created, and you can see now, the pilot would be located in Memphis, but then has a hub-turning trip um, the following morning. It has to reposition up to, say, Indianapolis, and now really isn't again. They're in a reduced rest capacity and need to still reposition and be prepared to go fly legally and safely again. So this was clearly an identified issue for us. So what we did to address the situation was we added language that now after a pilot calls in fatigue on the trip, the pilot would no longer be automatically well at the conclusion of the trip and provide the pilot with 24 hours from the trip removal. So we see that the pilot now would have an ability to get back into position with remaining rest and then resume their operation fully prepared um, to fly their trip. 
So in the example you gave, Pat, the follow-on trip that we were worried that pilot would be responsible for would then get removed due to the fatigue call and go to the fatigue event review committee in order to be evaluated. That's exactly right. Well, closing out Section 12, are there any final thoughts? When you look at Section 12 and what the company identified as areas that they were looking for improvements for their end, I think most pilots will think that they're quite minimal when taken in context of the entire Section 12. We were able to increase many of our layover times. We were able to bargain a hard parameter of 18 hours following a sunrise sort hub turn. And we were also able to address many of the issues with the base hotel standby periods that we talked about in the Section 25 podcast. Yeah, Chris, you know, again, we we identified three primary goals, which kept fatigue and pilots quality of life at the forefront. The company clearly identified other goals that were counter to that. Um, So we managed to navigate through that. We managed to prevent the company from placing onerous rules on top of our current language and decreasing pilots quality of life. And actually, at the end of the day, when you look at what we improved in Section 12, it's fairly significant, up to and including, as we discussed, the, the improved rest opportunities. So I think when the pilots look at Section 12, I think they'll clearly see some advantages um, to the outcome and what they should expect from a month-in, month-out, quality-of-life perspective when they're bidding and flying the line. Thanks for coming. And thanks for listening to this episode of our TA podcast series on Section 12, Hours of Service. Throughout this process, you can get the most factual information at our TA website, fdxta.com. There you will find the actual TA document, TA highlights, TA frequently asked questions, videos, these podcasts, and other information. Once again, thanks for listening, and as always, be safe out there, and we'll see you next time.